0: Hello, I'm Frank Wright, President of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Be sure to visit our ministry website, where you will find all kinds of great digital, audio, video, and print resources. It's all available at djkm.org. Abraham Maslow was one of the founders of humanistic psychology and the creator of the famous Hierarchy of Needs, which was published in his paper, A Theory of Human Motivation. Maslow represented the hierarchy as a pyramid, with the more basic needs at the bottom. He posited that every person has a basic survival need, including food, water, shelter, and sleep. The next two tiers, though, are physical safety and psychological needs, such as love and belonging. Then Maslow says that we each need self-esteem to feel respected, recognized, and appreciated. The culmination of his pyramid of needs is self-actualization, where self-fulfillment is the ultimate goal. But is this theory of the hierarchy of needs biblical? Well, I think we'd have to say, not really. Certainly we all have survival needs, but self-fulfillment as an ultimate goal is completely antithetical to the biblical understanding of what we truly need. Today in America, that self-focus that Maslow endorses in his pyramid is actually contributing to the dissolution of our society. Our relentless attempts at self-fulfillment and self-actualization have made us incapable of governing ourselves, since, as John Adams said, our Constitution is only made for a moral and religious people. As a result, we are experiencing a precipitous erosion of our freedoms. What is the one thing that we need as a nation to get us back on track? Well, here is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his classic sermon, What America Needs Most.
1: Our scripture reading this morning consists of selected verses from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, that great chapter that deals with the conclusion of the dedicatory ceremonies for the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem. May we begin with chapter 7, verse 1, and may we hear the inspired word of the living God. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement, and worshipped, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by My name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And may God speak to us today through this, his holy word, and may his name evermore be praised. Amen. The temple in Jerusalem had just been completed by Solomon. It was perhaps the most glorious building ever constructed by man. It is estimated that today it would cost between four and five billion dollars to reproduce it. That's billion with a B. It was indeed a wonder to behold. And now the dedicatory services had been held and Solomon's glorious prayer is recorded for us. And now we see that the fire came down from heaven and the Shekinah glory of God filled the temple with such brightness and brilliance that the people fell upon their faces and worshiped in awe and the priests could not go into the house because of the brightness of that Shekinah glory. Now, you've all heard of the Shekinah glory of God. What does that mean? Actually, the word Shekinah in Hebrew simply means dwelling. It was the glory of the fact that God was dwelling in that house, a visible token of his presence, which, happily for them, was soon diminished, or else it never would have been used, but remained in a milder form in the Holy of Holies, where the blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And now, after Solomon had completed his prayer, in the night season, God audibly speaks in response to his prayer. And that is a message which we all need to hear. And there is, of course, that most famous text in this chapter, which many Christians know by heart. If you haven't learned it, you certainly should engrave it upon the walls of your mind that you might remember it always. If my people If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Now this is a great Command from God to repent. Now, there is no doubt that our land greatly needs healing. It needs to repent of its wickedness. We are overrun with immorality and pornography and blasphemy and ungodliness and immorality of every kind, perversion of every sort. Certainly these people need to repent and turn to God. That's not what it says. It says we need to repent. It says we need to turn from our wicked ways. And then God will heal our land. It's if my people... And God indicates his proprietary interest in his own. We are his own peculiar people who belong to him, which are called by my name. And we are called by the name of the second person of the triune Godhead, Christian. A name first applied to us as a a word that was meant to be an insult. And yet we have considered it a noble title be called after the name of him who loved us even unto death. We are his people. We are the ones who are called by his name. We are the ones who are commanded to repent, to turn from our wicked ways. And then, and only then, will God heal our land. Judgment begins at the house of God. We're told to humble ourselves. And today we see so many multitudes, so many millions of people who have never done that. And you can always determine it when you discover that they are trusting in the fact that they have lived a very good life, thank you. They are quite righteous, if you please. They have never done anything really bad, and they're not like those ungodly people. You always know that this is a person who has never humbled himself, who has never repented, who has never acknowledged his sinful and lost condition who has never realized that the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one, that we are together become unprofitable, and that God is of purer eyes and even to look upon iniquity, and that we are condemned already. How people need to realize that and humble themselves. One thing is true of every Christian. And that is every true Christian knows one thing very, very surely. He knows that he rightly, condignly deserves to go to hell. If you don't know that, you're not a Christian. And you'll never see heaven. Everyone in heaven will know that he ought to be in hell. That's the whole meaning of grace. Totally unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor bestowed upon all of those that will turn to God through Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Have you ever really humbled yourself before God and admitted your ungodliness, your unworthiness, your sin? Do you know that you are ill-deserving? that you are hell-deserving? If not, then Christ, who came and on that cross at Calvary endured hell, obviously did not endure it for you unless you humble yourself and pray. God needs his people to turn to him and pray. You know, I do believe that there are many here that when they pray, they pray for themselves, they pray for their family, for their children, they pray for their business, for their health, sickness, but how many of us regularly pray for our native land? I'm afraid there are many Christians who do not. We have a land desperately in need of God and we should pray for that land. and We should ask God to heal it to bring it to himself, to restore it to godliness, and make it once again a city set upon a hill. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, many people regularly seek God's hand. God, give me this and give me that and grant me the other thing. Provide me this and provide me the other. But how many of us seek his face? When we look into our eyes, we see ourselves with all of our wrinkles and warts, with all of our sins. When we look into that pool of love, we see how truly unworthy we really are. That's what leads us to repentance. Have you truly repented? Repentance is an understanding in our minds of our unworthiness and a realization of our need to turn from the way that we've been going and to turn unto God. Repentance is pivotal for our salvation. It is central to the message of salvation that God has given to us. Jesus Christ planned from all eternity what he would say when he came into this world. He had forever to think about it. And finally he came. After eons of billions of centuries, he came. And he came into Galilee proclaiming the kingdom of God was at hand. And then he issued the first word to those that would be his followers. That word which he had thought about for countless millennia beforehand. And what was that word? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven. Is at hand. Christ began his ministry with repentance. He continued it with repentance. And he said, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Have you repented? Repentance means turning from all of our sins and turning unto God. Have you? Have you turned from your sins and turned unto Christ? I believe there is a great need for repentance in our country today. Christ began his ministry with that demand. He continued it. He ended it in the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation, the last words from Christ. Eight times to those seven churches, Christ tells them to repent. When Peter gave the first sermon in the Christian era at Pentecost, the people were pricked in their hearts, and they said, "Men and brethren, what shall we do?" And Peter said, "Repent." And Paul said that Christ came, that repentance and faith might be preached unto the Gentiles. Repent, repent, repent. There's some here that need to repent. We live in a nation which is a wash in sin of every kind. Some of you are up to your ankles in that same sin. We cannot live in sin here below and then in heaven up above. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Some of you may be thieves. Thieves in church? Why, the very idea. Yet some of you already pulled a heist this morning. You robbed God this morning. God said, "Ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation, Ye have robbed me. And they said, Lord, how have we robbed thee? In tithes? and offerings ye have robbed me. Some of you may be guilty of anger and animosity and hatred toward another. You need to repent of that sin. I don't know what your sin is, but I do know this that whatever it is, God knows it, and you know it, and right now he is speaking to you about it. Repent, for except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. The twin requirements for entrance to heaven are and always have been and always will be repent and believe the gospel. Repentance and faith are the two sides of the salvation coin. You can't have one without the other. There is no genuine faith without repentance. There's no genuine repentance without faith. Have you turned from all of your wicked ways unto God? If you have, we have his glorious promise. Then will I hear from heaven? For truly the Bible says that our sins have hidden us and our prayers from the face of God, a God who is of purer eyes, purer eyes, and to look upon iniquity. But if we have repented, he will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins and will heal our land. Ah, there are pockets of revival breaking out in this nation in various places. They are just perhaps the early raindrops of what will become a glorious shower. I hope that a revival could begin here, begin in our hearts, in your heart and mine, as we humble ourselves before God, as we spend time in prayer, seeking his face and calling upon him to bless us and to bless our church and our nation. And as we turn from our wicked ways, God will bless and heal our land. May God do that. May it start in you and in me. And may it be right now. Let us pray. If, O Lord, as Thou hast said, Thy people, called by Thy name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek Thy face and turn from their wicked ways. Thou wilt hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Right now, O God, we would do just that. We would lift our hearts unto thee, seeking thy face, humbling ourselves, and right now, repenting and turning from whatever wicked way thy spirit would speak to us about. Deliver us, we pray, O God, by thy spirit and by thy grace from every evil way. And, O God, heal our land. For Christ's sake,
2: Amen. Have you ever humbled yourself before God and asked for his forgiveness for your sins? The scriptures tell us that all of us have sinned in thoughts and actions. We may not like to admit it, but if we are to receive the free gift of eternal life that Jesus paid for with his death on the cross, we have to humble ourselves, admitting that we need a Savior. We cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we try. And we don't deserve to go to heaven because of our sin. While God is merciful and he doesn't want to punish us, he's also just and he must punish sin. So we have a problem. But God solved our problem by sending his only son to die in our place. No other God died for the sins of his people. Christ stands alone as the true savior of the world. Are you ready to give your own effort up? trying to save yourself and to be good enough to earn heaven? Are you ready to place your trust in Jesus Christ alone? Well, if you are, then we can go to God together in prayer right now, saying, Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and that I cannot save myself, no matter how hard I try. Please forgive me for my sins. I thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I hope you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart. And if you did, we have a special gift we'd like to send you entitled, Beginning Again. It contains the Gospel of John from the New Testament, as well as answers to some of the questions you may have as you begin your new life in Christ. We want you to have your own copy of Beginning Again when you write to our address or call our toll-free number below. And God bless you as you do.
0: America has truly turned its face away from God, and the spiritual state of our nation is deteriorating. And what is needed is a great revival, a pouring out of the Spirit of God. For decades our God-given rights and liberties have been chipped away by the courts. The federal judiciary has instituted abortion on demand, overturned limits on partial birth abortion silenced voluntary prayer in schools, discovered a so-called right to sodomy in the Constitution, and legalized same-sex marriage across the nation. And even though we have a First Amendment guaranteeing free religious exercise, it is the Supreme Court that now tells us whether Christians can live out their consciences on biblical matters. How have we gotten to this point? Well, you can find the answer to that in our brand new Truth in Action Q&A booklet called What is Judicial Tyranny? Judicial overreach is one of the central threats to our republic. This booklet will help you better understand how we have gotten here as a nation and what we can do about it. We will send you a three-pack of the new Truth in Action Q&A booklet What is Judicial Tyranny? as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. And if you are able to give a generous donation of $40 or more, we will also send you an outstanding book written by Hillsdale College President Dr. Larry Arne called The Founder's Key, the divine and natural connection between the Declaration and the Constitution and what we risk by losing it. This book helps explain how important it is that America recover the ideals and principles that the Founders gave us. It also includes key passages from our founding documents, including the full text of both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And as you give, you will be helping us to produce and air programs like this, as well as to continue our other initiatives, like our D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Leadership, which is now training leaders on the Constitution, a biblical worldview, and practical governing skills. We will send you the Founder's Key, along with a three-pack of the Truth in Action booklet, What is Judicial Tyranny, as our thanks for your generous donation of $40 or more. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 1164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.